Hello, and welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. And we, together, make up a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Again, I say this a lot, Christ's church. We should, maybe if we rewrite that, we can not put so many we should together. i mean we, we we we've rewritten it once before it's maybe time for a refresh so let's plan to do that cool that behind the scenes sneak mm, peek into the, the inner un, look under look under the hood behind the scenes behind the curtain under the hood you know all those metaphors all of them well, thanks again for, as we just said, for tuning in and coming along with us uh, on today's episode. We have a topic that, if I remember correctly, we've actually talked about doing this topic for quite a while, and it was one of those ones that we never got to, and then we just forgot about it or, you know, it wasn't on top of our minds, and then a couple weeks ago we were planning um, the episodes for this month and, and we, we decided to do it. So I, I feel like it's something that we started to think about quite a while ago, a little bit, at least, um, at least a little bit. And then I kind of forgot about, and then coming back to prepare, I've kind of like, you know, oh yeah, I kind of thought about this before, kind of, you know, like, I don't know, it was, it's, uh, I guess it's about time is what I'm saying that we talk about, uh, one of the Ten Commandments, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain, or, you know, more specifically, not taking the Lord's name in vain. The basic idea is, what does that mean? And I'm sure that that question will lead us down a bunch of different questions that'll come up, a bunch of different um, aspects of, of any kind of answer to that question. But I think it's safe to say that basically what we're doing is looking at what does it mean to take the lord's name in vain obviously it's something that we as people who believe that you know the bible comes from god and that god's revelation to his people his instructions are good and right and true obviously we can you know if you if you, if you fall in that category we can agree that apparently um doing whatever it is that taking the Lord's name in vain is, is a bad thing, but why? Or not even just why, but like, if we want to avoid breaking a commandment, we should probably understand what it is that commandment actually says (laughs) so that we can not accidentally break it, right? So there's a lot of ways we can take a, a relatively simple question. So I'll start off with that relatively simple question to you. What does it mean to take take the Lord's name in vain? You know, start us off. We'll go. We'll, we'll see where this takes us. But you know, what, what what would your like sort of beginnings of an answer be if someone just like out of the blue asked you that question? Yeah. Well, my preliminary thoughts are first what it does not mean, um, or maybe I guess what it meant to me when I was growing up, and I think I've expanded my my definition of this but you know when you're a kid growing up in the evangelical church uh, i think typically the thing that comes to mind for you when you hear don't take the name of the lord in vain that uh, simply just means don't say oh my god so you're supposed to say oh my gosh or oh my or geez or i don't know some like iteration of this proclamation ex you know exclamation at something like you're you're so surprised 
you know, something runs out in front of you while your mom's driving. Oh, oh my gosh, I was so scared. Um, and so, again, at, at a young age, I was told, you don't say, oh my God, because to say, oh my God, is to uh, use his name irreverently. You're, you're taking it in vain. And so you don't do that. And, you know, I remember like I had friends who would say, oh my God. And I'd be like, oh, you shouldn't say that. Like you should say, oh my gosh. Um, and maybe there's a conversation to be had about that. That's funny. I Go ahead. I have that same memory. I have that same memory in like fourth grade. Yeah. Being like taken aback and being like, oh man, wait, that's not good. Yeah. Anyway. That's, yeah. That's no, funny. I mean, I'm, that's, that's a very typical, I'm sure you go to Bible college, you sit around the dorm floor, you're talking about it. Like most, most guys and girls probably have that experience of, of growing up with that idea in our heads that that's what it meant to take the, the name of the Lord in vain. Um, however, you know, the, we're talking about, like you said, a commandment in Exodus 20 verse seven, uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord, thy God in vain, you know, so don't take the name of the Lord in vain. It's, it's pretty clear. It's right there uh, at least, uh, by clear. I mean, it's plainly written. that says, do not do this. Um, what's not necessarily clear is what that means at, at face value. It doesn't say don't, you know, don't say, oh my God, it doesn't say, um, you know, don't curse God. Um, so again, maybe there's a, a conversation to be had about that. Uh, but more importantly, if we're going to get to this, the, the heart of this issue about what this means to not take the name of the Lord in vain, uh, a couple places that I want to go is first to talk about the name. What does it, what does it mean to, to say to not take the name of the Lord thy God? I'm reading it. I don't know why it's coming up in King James, but uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So what is name referring to? Because it says the name of the Lord, thy God, meaning the Lord, your God. So the Lord, uh, when you see it in all caps in your Bibles, so if you're, if you're, if you're following along in Exodus 20, you see Lord there, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is a translation of Yahweh. The, the, the tetragrammaton, I think is the, the fancy theological word for it. Uh, if you were a, an Israelite or maybe you are a practicing Jew or something, I'm not sure if, if we have an audience or not, but uh, when you are reading the Torah, when you're reading the law, when you come across that that four-letter, uh, I guess, name, Yahweh, it's actually not something that you vocalize. We, you, you, don't, you don't read it as the letters appear. So you don't read the, the, the Yod, the... Vav, I'm forgetting all. The, I'm like my Hebrew is so bad, so I apologize. But you know what I'm saying. You don't actually say Yahweh when you're reading through the the passage. You would say something like Adonai, uh, which is a word that means Lord, um, and then Thy God would be. Uh, um, why am I completely blanking on? Oh, Elohim, Elohim. So you know you you don't take the name of the Lord Yahweh. Uh, your Elohim in vain. Okay, so if you know anything about about uh, Old Testament culture, there was this idea of uh, of the name, quote unquote, the name. Uh, you maybe you know the Hebrew word Hashem. This is the Hebrew word that literally means the name. Uh, where you might have heard this, if you're not familiar with Hashem, is something similar. It has to do with um, like the Holocaust. I think memorial. Um, but Yad Vashem 
it means I think uh, like something like the memorial and the name, um, but it's commemorating and, and remembering those who who were killed in the Holocaust. Um, but that idea of, of of Hashem is a very important um, title, I guess, in Judaism to specifically refer to God. And so all that to say, okay, if we're talking about taking the the, the name of the Lord in vain, so now that we've talked about name a little bit, we've talked about Yahweh, we've talked about Elohim, we've talked about Adonai, uh, what does it mean to take? Does it just mean what, what you say? So don't don't use Yahweh provocatively or insensitively. Uh, don't say, oh my God. And what does it mean that something's in vain? What Can we come up with a better word than that? So I'm going to kick it to you. Since I talked a little bit about like the name, I want you to tell me about take and vain. Yeah, I mean, really, it is just breaking breaking this down word by word. Kind of, it's one of those things you hear a lot, you, you're familiar with, so you can easily skip over it. But it's like, yeah, it says take. It doesn't say, say, speak, uh, uh, declare, you know, anything else we could think of that would correspond to the sense of using verbally God's name, in this vain way, right? Like it, I think seems like that's what it means more just because that's what it's just, we assume it means, right? But like, like the word take, I don't know. I'm trying to think even in like an English idiom, like I, you take an oath, I guess. So, so there is this, there is a sense in which we can, we can come up with, with, um, a sense of taking that has to do with some kind of declaration or um, statement, like a verbal statement. But even in that idiom of taking an oath, um, the, there's more to it than saying the words. You know, like if you if you take an oath, you know, you're being sworn into public office. Like if you take an oath to uphold the Constitution or whatever they, they have, like president or congressman, whatever, do. Like it's not... The idea of taking the oath isn't that you're saying, I'm going to do this. You know, I, I'm, I'm verbally ag- agreeing to this. But it's also like you're binding yourself to actually fulfill whatever it is that you're swearing to, right? So so even in that sense, we have the, this idea that there's, there's more to it than just saying, I will do this or I won't do that. There's also, it, it's more, what I'm trying to say is it's more substantial, Right there's 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 a more significant implication than just the verbal expression of an idea. So even if we even if we think okay, take might be referring to saying something like taking the Lord's name might be referring to saying the Lord's name in some way or in some context. um, I think comparing it to something in English like taking an oath is helpful because we can see like there's there's more going on than merely um, saying. And we think about the word take, I mean, you know, like this idea um, to, to pick something up, to, to hold something, you know, you take, you know, take it with you to your, you know, or whatever, like you're, you're, you're carrying something, you're bearing a load, so to speak. Um, and, you know, I'm going to, again, sort of peek behind the curtain a little bit for those of us who don't know Greek or Hebrew or Latin, not that I do, but... Um, I can read the letters so I can use a dictionary. Shockingly, 
the words used in this verse in the different versions of the Bible in those languages mean to take. <laughs> that's why that's the way it's translated. There's your, there's your uh, biblical studies lesson for the day. Um, to take means to take. So there are these different senses of, of carrying something and bearing something in like a physical way. And then there's also a more metaphorical way where, you know, you, you can maybe associate it with something like reputation, right? Like you kind of, you're, you, you kind of um, have, have things associated with you that you take with you, right? It, kind of that idea. And all of that, all of that's bound up in this idea of, of, of taking something, whatever it is, right? Um, and that is, like I've said, it's, it's much different than merely saying something or using a certain word in a certain way, right? It, it probably involves that to a certain degree. You know, you're like, like if, if I am, um, well, you know, not to, I guess, spoil it a little bit, but like if I am taking the name and the identity of being a Christian on myself, that certainly involves to some degree me saying, I am a Christian. I, I identify as, you know, this kind of person, this is this this is uh, what I want to associate myself with, and I am declaring it and saying it in order to affirm that about myself. But that also means that I'm what I'm trying to do is to associate some actual characteristics or expectations or reputation that that whoever I'm speaking to can then sort of impute to me, and hopefully my lifestyle. And actions and behaviors match up with with uh, you know the the right reputation and the right uh, association with with that term, and hopefully a person hasn't been you know given a false idea through others' bad behavior in the past or you know there, but but you can really see how you know taking the name of Christ as a Christian, you, you get this sense of not just saying something but also. You're in doing so. You're you're declaring something about yourself that is meant to be true and meant to be actually a certain way and not a certain other way. Um, and we could say, you know, to take the name of Christ in vain. We might say somebody is doing that when they say, "Oh, I'm a Christian, so I live this way and this way and this way," and then. The next day, you see them doing the exact opposite. You can say, "Okay, well, what they're what they've said doesn't mean anything. It's vain, you know. Um, vanity, right? Means emptiness and not, you know, having no substance underneath it that actually backs up what you're saying, right? So we can kind of put all those pieces together, and I think maybe maybe a a tentative, maybe working definition um, that I'd put to you is maybe something like associating your identity with that of the expectations and requirements and um, actions of being associated with God, with the God of Israel, you know, the, not just any God, but it's this, this one God uh, who, is, who is talking to his people um, in such a way that turns out to be false. And that was maybe not the simplest way of no, phrasing that definition that's helpful. but i think i think that's like maybe if if we take each of those components that you could come up with different meanings for 
whatever God's name means or is, whatever taking something, or in this case, taking a name means, and whatever vanity in this context means, if you put them together, I think that's a helpful way of looking at it, um, as opposed to, oh, if you say God or whatever, you need to do it in a certain way. Like you're saying, I, I just don't think that can, you, I don't think you can really capture the full extent of what's going on right. here. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should speak flippantly about our Lord. Like, I don't think that's good or wise. <laughs> um, but this encompasses but more than that. This is more than just exactly. what we speak. This is this this encompasses how we live. I mean, because you have to remember that for the Israelites and for us as Christians today, the the name of you know child of God. Um, person who's been redeemed, person who, you know, in the Old Testament was looking forward to Christ and us who have Christ and we look back at what he's done for us. Um, This is not just a checkbox that we do on surveys when we vote or when we're being asked questions. Like, this is their identity. This is who they were. The Israelites were called to be a people that were set apart, set apart from the nations around them. That was the whole point of the law. And the Ten Commandments were sort of uh, encapsulating all that it meant to to live to Yahweh, to live under his name, uh, to be his people, to to love him and to love people in the world. Uh, and similarly for us today, it's this, it's the same thing. We're, we're, we're called as Christians, set apart, holy, um, a royal priesthood. And we are, we're ambassador, ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ out in the world. Um, and so to, to, to take the name of the Lord in vain does not just mean what you say about God. It has to do with every fiber of what you do in your day-to-day life. It has to, I mean, right. we, could, we could look at the word vain, which I think the ESV and CSB use, um, but it can, like you said, it can mean empty. It can mean nothing, worthless, or to no good purpose. So we're, you know, we're forbidden in the Ten, in the ten Commandments here. I think it's Commandment 3, if I'm remembering correctly, um, from taking the, the name of God or taking up the name, bearing the name um, in a manner that is wicked or worthless or for wrong purposes. And I think that's a really good way of thinking about this idea. It's not just what you say, but it's it's taking in the sense that you're not just saying it, um, but you are living and bearing that name and that reality of who God is, uh, who he is in the world. Right. And to, to do that in vain or to do that in an empty fashion uh, or in a worthless fashion, man, it's, it, it's, it's so, it, it's crazy. Like when, when I think about, man, there, I know you're not really on Twitter anymore and I, I just need to get off for like the sake of my own sanity. Uh, but there was like a, a video circulating a couple weeks ago of a woman, I believe it was like on stage in a church and she was talking about, um, about guns and how if Jesus had more guns, he wouldn't have been killed by his government. And like this was like her whole argument in this quote unquote lesson or message or whatever, talking about how Jesus wouldn't have died if he had had an AR-15. And I'm like, oh my goodness! First of all, like this is not any sort of conversation that needs to be had on a on a Sunday morning from a pulpit. Uh, but that's that to, to me. I was like that because I was thinking about this episode when when I saw that video. I was like, man, that is an example of taking the name of the Lord in vain, like talking about him in a manner that is. Uh, empty that is void of its true meaning or substance like first of all no one took the life of the lord uh, jesus laid down his life for his people right um so like let's just start there but 
this is when I think most the the clearest example to me in our culture of of taking or bearing the name of the Lord in a vain manner. It's when we do use his name flippantly for like political points. I mean, I'm sure you could see it at any given day on any given cable network that they're going to talk about God. They're going to talk about church. They're going to talk about Jesus, uh, but only in such a way that forwards uh, that pushes their agenda the way that they want it to go. As long as, as long as it fits their narrative, uh, that's an example of, of taking God's literal name, using, using Jesus and God and Christ in a way that is for a wrong purpose. That's not, do you get what I'm saying? Like there, there's, there's so much more to the Christian life than just like political ideology. Um, I recognize that. And that's the thing. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, and that's the thing that this that we're getting at is this is in like like you said you, you you talk about who is Israel in in you know in the context of receiving the law who who are the people who are receiving this commandment they are set apart for a purpose to be you know and and this extends into the church the royal priesthood remember the the language of royal priesthood comes from the Pentateuch that's what is that that's what um, Israel is referred to as because we're what we're talking about when we're talking about all of this stuff, the reason that we can point to, A, it's got to be more than just saying a certain combination of letters, but it's, and it's also, we can look at diff- all kinds of different examples because it's, we're talking about an identity, it's, it's, it's an identity question, to, to take the name of the Lord is to be of a certain identity, to be a, a person within a certain covenantal community, Right? The, the, that's what it means to be a child of God. That's that's what it meant to be an Israelite. That's what it means to be uh, a member of Christ's church. And um, that's the framework that I think we need to be thinking about this through. It's, it's all-encompassing because it's exactly a question of my identity as an individual and as, and as, a, as a collective, if we're talking about, you know, the, the church at large or, or a, a group of people or what, what, whatever you, you get what I mean but there's it's it's a question of your identity and the way that you're living and speaking conforming to that identity and you know for for pe- the people of God that identity is you know be do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind you know in, in the image of Christ and Language of identity and language of, of bearing a certain identity, I think, also points us back um, a little bit, it, it, at least analogously, to the idea of bearing the image of God. That this isn't, like, this is something that is is given to humanity in the creation accounts, like, as, as a descriptor um, of something or some things, you know, we could. I, I don't think have we ever talked about doing an episode on that. I'm surprised we haven't. If we if we haven't, but we should probably do an image of God. Did we do an image of God I episode? I, I want to say we didn't. At least not like, not in the sense that you're talking about. I don't. I'm yeah. sure it's come up, but to be sure. image bearers, I don't think we. <laughs> that'd be cool. Yeah, because that's that's a very complex question in itself. But putting all of the questions of what it what that exactly communicates aside, like the point is that to call you know in Genesis one and two to call humanity uh image bearers of god is is to describe and to uh 
claim and, and affirm something about what it means to be a human, right? We're talking about a very core identification. We're not just talking about one aspect of Adam and Eve and then, you know, by extension, the rest of us. But and it's a similar thing. We're not just talking about the way Israel was to speak about God or to use his name in a, in a conversational sense. We're talking about something broader. And then same with us. We're not, we're not talking about little kids saying, oh, my gosh, instead of, oh, my God. It's something much more significant than that. It's something that ma- that actually matters because we're talking about who you are as a, like I said, covenant community, which has been called out, set apart as a royal priesthood for this, go back to the promises to Abraham, for the sake of the blessing of the whole world, right? For the sake of calling all people into Christ. And that's where it's really easy to see what happens when you're, actions and words are inconsistent with your identity as a as a member of God's people is you're not really not that it falls on us ultimately to determine the course of someone's you know soul that's the work of the spirit but it's it's a failure on our part or or it's very easily going to be a failure we're certainly not doing ourselves any favor in the task that we've been given if we're choosing to live in such a way that's inconsistent with the identity that we're claiming well, and that has been placed on us externally. And let's make that as, just like, as a Christian. Right. And let's make that like super practical. Like what we're talking about in a way is is hypocrisy. Um, so as Christians, we, we know in a sense what it means to, to live out the Christian faith, right? Um, to, to love the Lord our God, to, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so in a way, when we fail to love our neighbor, um, and let's just give the example of racism or xenophobia, like this is an example of taking the name of the Lord in vain. We are called to love other people despite uh, where they're from, what they look like, uh, what language they speak. Um, so that, like, that's a very practical example, a real example of when you say, do not take the name of the Lord in vain, you are doing so if you are somebody who ha- who who is overtly racist or has uh, a dislike for people who are different, or um, if it's even just something. Uh, it- Go ahead. Just cl- to clarify, like I I don't think we would want to say like racism in the abstract. No, I no. I, well, is, what I'm what I'm saying is but like racism in sp- the name of in the name of. So a better example might be racism in the context of. Oh well, this is what you know. Paul says in First Timothy, so you need to remain slaves. Sure, right. Going back to the eighteen hundreds. I mean, that's an like, example. Joe Joe Schmo being a racist doesn't mean anything unless Joe Schmo is is claiming to be a Christian right. and to that's, live that's, in. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying right. for a Christian to hold to, um, you know, some sort of like uh, we are these people; those are other people. I mean, I, I don't want to name names or say anything, but I'm, I have like specific ideas in my mind where people have said things or thought things or just behaved in such a manner that you could tell that uh, the issue had to came down to a difference in in ethnicity, a difference in race. And uh, whether it's overt or not, I I guess we're going way deeper than I would want to go on that. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, these are examples. It's, it's more than just what we say, you know, Oh my God versus Oh my gosh. It is the tendencies in our hearts, our behaviors towards other people. Uh, maybe maybe okay you want another example okay uh how about uh, an abusive spouse or an abusive father who claims to be a christian if you are abusing your wife or you are abusing your children 
uh, you are taking the name of the Lord in vain if you claim Christ's name. If you say, I'm a Christian, I believe in the Bible, and you're somebody who is verbally, uh, physically, sexually abusing somebody, you are taking the name of the Lord in vain. You are living contrary to what it means to be a Christian. Um, and so, again, that's just a, a, a real-life example. Um, maybe you want just one last example. Uh, I guess the ways in which we even use God's name. Um, so some examples I thought of were like, you know, apartheid in South Africa, um, the Nazis in Germany. Uh, maybe you want to say something like the Crusades or you mentioned slavery, like Southern Baptists with slavery, um, you know, not too long ago. Uh, these are examples of of bearing the name of Christ, bearing the name of God, um, again, often for political purposes, um, but doing so in, a, in an unsavory way. And that's even maybe putting it mildly, but that is like the meaning of what it means to, to bear the name of the Lord in vain, to claim to be Christian, uh, but to be living. And I think this has actually come up. Um, I don't think we've done an episode on it, but I believe we talked about it. But I, I wrote a paper at Moody um, that was about theologians under Hitler. So it, during during the, the Nazi regime of, of Nazi Germany, there were pastors and theologians who uh, were basically their job was to be the theologians under Hitler's co- command. You know, they, they were the ones who were who were writing and preaching uh, at the time in the churches and justifying some some atrocities against Jews and, and you know, other people as well. Um, and that's why people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer exist and those close to him. I mean, he was trying to um, to take down that that established authority. Uh, but there were people who who bore the name of Christ, who claimed to be a Christian, who, who they taught at universities and were pastors in churches um, and were propagating this idea that, that Jews were less than human or less than deserving. They were the God killers. They were the ones who, who crucified Jesus, so they deserved to die too. Like, man, some really just awful stuff in the name of Christ, in the name of, you know, under whatever university, whatever church that they were a part of, um, that's taking the name of the Lord in vain. That's that's what that means. Anyway, that's that's my my tangent. Yeah, and I think we you can you can really like oh, okay, so so maybe you could you could hear that and you could be like, oh, so well, you know, the reason that uh, you know, abusing your family is wrong is because it's taking the Lord's name in vain. Is that what you're saying? And like, no, I think I think what's what's clear is that because quote unquote taking the name of the Lord is a question of it, it, it's an all encompassing sort of totalizing question of your identity that by necessity takes into account sort of your entire life top to bottom. It, it doesn't just take into account your public statements. It also takes into account your private statements and your thoughts. It also takes into account what you do, you know, in public, what you do in private, you know, what you do when no one's watching. Like you can, you can see how the reason that the reason that, that, that you would bring up a question of like, well, Someone who's abusing their spouse is not, and, and is is claiming to be a Christian, or you know, and is a Christian, is not living in conformity with their Christian identity. The reason you would you would bring that up is because it's a the the call and the how do we want to say this? Like the responsibility and sort of the duty of 
being a Christian, being a member of God's people is to a all-encompassing way of life. It's not just to cleaning up your speech or cleaning up some areas of your life or cleaning up some of your behaviors, right? It's, it's you are being transformed into the image of Christ more and more, and that, that necessarily entails an increase of holiness. That necessarily entails actual um, changes in who you are and what you do and how, and how you think and, and what you think and all that kind of stuff at every level. So the question, like, it's like you look at someone who's abusing their spouse and you've got, you know, this huge list of, of things that are going through your mind. And it just gets, it's just a bigger list when you're dealing with someone in the church. Because, because you've also got on top of everything, you've got, you are not, of all people, you aren't supposed to be doing this or, or what, you know, like it's kind of the way I think about it in some sense. It's like, it's like, Nobody should abuse their spouse, obviously. <laughs> and you, like, end of story, full stop. When you're talking about someone who's in the church, who's been redeemed, who has been baptized into Christ, and is still dragged into that, you know, like, and that's a very um, obviously kind of painful example to think about. We don't need to go, quote unquote, as big as being an abusive partner or whatever. But it's easy to see that because it is such an obvious example of just complete wrongdoing with with no justification. <laughs> um, and it's just like you of all people, you, comma, Christian, of all people, know better, ought to be doing better, um, and have the actual ability to do better <laughs> by God's grace acting in your life Um which is yours as a Christian, right? And and that's what we're talking about. It's it's the the I think the, the main takeaway is like we're talking about this commandment, what God is instructing his people in, what he God is teaching us here is something about about identity and what it means to be today for us in the church or Christian, what it means to be God's child um, throughout all ages. Uh, and and that is the question, right? It's not a question of oh, you know, I just need to have a good reputation. Well, you ought to have a good reputation because you ought to actually be bearing fruit that that deserves a good reputation. And it's great if you have a good reputation and all your sins are secret, but that's not going to get you very far <laughs> if you don't have, have any sense of repentance and sorrow and, and sanctification, right? So... Um, I don't know. Identity, I think, is the big, the big sort of like the grid that we should be interpreting this through. For sure, I think is kind of is is kind of a a quick summary of what we're saying. Like we're talking about what it means to be a person who is a Christian, who is in Christ, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the those are the questions. I mean, those those are the questions to ask if we're talking about okay, like what are the Ten Commandments? When we reading through them, we get to this one. What does this have to do with me? That's what it has to do with us. Who are you? And what does that actually mean? Again, top to bottom, every piece, nook and cranny of your life, inner and outer. Yeah. Is that is that actually bearing fruit? Is that actually, uh, are you living in conformity with that identity that's been given to you? And honestly, um, I think that, that, that's a scary question. It is. And I think to your point, this is this is maybe the most difficult 
of the Ten Commandments. I mean, because, okay, I, I pulled it up here. Number one is you shall have no other gods before me. You know, for Christians, you know, maybe we have idols or things that sometimes slip in or whatever. But for the most part, like, that's not something that is all that difficult for Christians today to understand that, like, God is God. He's the creator of the cosmos. Um, You shall not make for yourself an idol. Again, we do that, but I think it's more easily recognizable when something starts to take the place of God in our life. Number three, as I said, is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Um, Number four is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not give false testimony. And ten, you shall not covet. Like maybe coveting, maybe uh, false testimony. I don't know. Those might come up every now and then. But like of those ten commandments, of these, these, you know, for for lack of a better term, sort of all-encompassing rules that overarch the entire law, this idea of, of identity, of who we are, of, of taking on, bearing, and carrying the name of the Lord in our everyday lives, in our, in our work, so in our public life, and in our home, in our private life. Everything that we do, uh, everything that we are as Christians is wrapped up in that. Do not take, do not bear, do not carry the name of God in a worthless way. Honor him. As he is, he is worthy of honor. He is, he is holy. He is supreme above all of us. Um, and so the way that we interact with our family, the way that we interact with com- complete strangers, the way you interact with friends, whatever, when you go out into the world, you are a representative of Christ and you need to, to live in such a way that would be uh, bringing him honor, bringing him glory. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what I want to say. I mean, the, the, the dangers, especially in our country, especially in our uh, highly politicized culture, it can be really easy to start conflating God and country and patriotism and all that. And we've had episodes in the past where we've talked about, um, you know, nationalism. And I think that's maybe episode five or six or something. So if you want a more extended conversation, go there. Uh, but we had this danger of bearing Christ's name in vain in our politics, especially. And so that's that's the last thing I'll say. Do you have any other uh, concluding thoughts before we uh, recalibrate? No, no, yeah. All right. Well, let me let me open up in the Valley of Vision. Um, this is one of my favorite prayer books. It's one of like three that I own, but it's the one I go to the most, uh, as I'm sure you all know by now. This is on page six. It's called God, the Source of All Good, and it says, "O Lord God, who inhabitest in, uh, eternity, the heavens declare Thy glory, the earth Thy riches." The universe is thy temple, thy presence fills immensity. Yet thou hast of thy pleasure created life and communicated happiness. Thou hast made me what I am and given me what I have. In thee I live and move and have my being. Thy providence has set the bounds of my inhabitation and wisely administers all my affairs. I thank thee for thy riches to me in Jesus. For the unclouded revelation of him in thy word, where I behold his person, character, grace, glory, humiliation, sufferings, death, and resurrection. Give me to feel a need of his continual saviorhood, and with cry and cry with Job, I am vile. With Peter I perish. With the publican be merciful to me a sinner. Subdue in me the love of sin. Let me know the need of renovation as well as of forgiveness in order to serve and enjoy thee forever. 
I come to thee in the all-prevailing name of Jesus with nothing of my own to plead, no works, no worthiness, no promises. I am often straying, often knowingly opposing thy authority, often abusing thy goodness. Much of my guilt arises from my religious privileges, my low estimation of them, and my failure to use them to my advantage. But I am not careless of thy favor or regardless of thy glory. Impress me deeply with a sense of thine omnipresence that thou art about my path, my ways, my lying down, and my end. Amen. Amen. That's a good one. Though that first section, oh. uh, that's that's just focused on you know who God is. Those prayers are, are so rich, so good. If you, if you, uh, not that again, like you said, not that our uh, favor towards the Valley of Vision is news to anyone, but uh, well worth well worth uh, using in your prayer life. Anyway, yeah, I think I think that does it. I think that does it. So thank you. We want to say. As always, a big, huge thank you for all the support, everyone who listens, tuning in, whether it's today's your first one or you've listened to every single one on, you know, the second it got posted. Um, thank you. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to uh, connect with you via Twitter at Doxology Podcast or Doxology Podcast at gmail.com uh, via email. Uh, feedback on today's episode or, or just more general questions you have ideas for future episodes we really really mean it when we say that we'd love to hear from you um and this is coming out in a couple days obviously as it always does and then we're going to be entering july and we are going to cook up something or we've been cooking up something hopefully fun for july um we're bringing theme month we're bringing back a theme for the month we will let's we'll, we'll save it for uh Come back the in two weeks. first episode of it, but come or back in a week, one week. Yeah, a little more than a week from today, but from recording, but a week from when the, the release drops, of yep. this. Anyway, you, you, first Tuesday in July. <laughs> come, back, come, come back, back then. That's what we'll say. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, we're looking forward to that. And until next time, we'll see you. Peace out. Meow, meow, meow.